Okay, um, thank you very much, Christine. My name is Bahar Reheravi, and I'm from University College Dublin. Um, so I'm gonna start by telling a little bit of a story. Um, a friend of mine a few years ago uh, basically asked me, what's going on in the world? Why is there so much uh, earthquakes, war, um, political rallies, and so on? Is the world coming to an end? And my response to her was, uh, well, I'm not a political analyst or a war expert, but what I think is happening might be that each of us have a mobile phone uh, that we go around and we start recording whatever we see. And most of us in the world now have access to the internet, and with the press of a button, we upload uh, the data that we have collected. Uh, in addition to that, we are also generating a lot of data the mobile phone that is in our pocket, I know about iPhone, but I think Android and other smartphones are the same. Uh, as we walk around, we are generating data. This data could be the location data that we are generating as we are walking around. A lot of us record data about what we eat. A lot of us record data about um, the exercises that we do every day. So what has changed, I think, is so much data is generated. And so much data is recorded. Not only, I mean, we have been probably walking around in the past too, but we were not recording in this data or our devices were not recording this data. So now, so much data is generated, so much of it is recorded, and perhaps most importantly, a lot of this data is now accessible by the public, by the journalists. So we can actually make use of this data. To put it in numbers, um, 2.5 quintillion bytes of data is generated every day. Now, who knows what quintillion is here? Uh, so 2.5 quintillion means 2.5 million terabytes. And I think a lot of us have a better understanding of what terabyte means, because a lot of us probably have these um, one terabyte hard drives that we can buy pretty cheap uh, from Amazon. Uh, so we kind of have an idea of how much data we can kind of keep on a one terabyte hard drive, and it is a lot of data, and every day is 2.5 million terabyte of that data generated. So what does this mean to us? I, most of the times I work with the journalists, so um, my presentation is mostly geared towards journalists, but it, the, the meaning is pretty much the same for the public, but also for civic activists, anybody who likes to dig into data and tell stories based on data. This data means there's a lot of stories are lying in that data that we can find and we can investigate and we can tell. So what we need to do now is just access this data and start digging in. And a lot of people, uh, especially journalists, say, oh, well, but there's not enough data or I can't access. I'm like, yeah, there is a lot of data that you can access. Yes, there is some data that you cannot access, but if you can access the data that exists, uh, you're going to run out of time to write stories every day. And this is really changing our news cycle, the way we access data and the way we can use um, data in our day-to-day -day reporting. Historically, um, a kind of uh, secret weapon for a good journalist was the sources they had. 
a lot of good journalists would have kind of an address book that they can open, and they have the name of some important people, politicians, and celebrities, and so on, and they could actually call those people or their spokesperson to kind of ask them questions about the latest figures. It is pretty much the same. It is still about the source, but the thing that has changed now is our sources have been enhanced. So it doesn't mean that we no longer need to contact, I don't know, somebody in the Department of Transport, uh, but we don't necessarily need it. And we, at the same time, we don't need to rely on who said what uh, kind of information. We can actually look into the, hopefully, facts uh, that are rooted in proper data gathered and collected. How many of you here know the Panama Papers? Pretty much everyone. So the Panama Paper has been the largest um, journalism or data journalism project that has ever existed in terms of um, the, the, the volume of data that was processed, but also in terms of collaboration that existed between a numerous number of journalists, over 100 journalists uh, from 80 different countries around the world worked on the data leak uh, that was the kind of what initiated the, the Panama Papers. They, work it, they worked on it for over a year. So there was lots of data in the Panama Paper. And the story basically start, started by somebody contacting a German journalist saying, do you want data? And obviously, the journalist said, yes. How can I get it? And when the German journalist got the data, he realized that it's so much that he cannot process. So what did he do? He contacted the ICIJ, which has the history of kind of collaborative journalism and working with data for journalistic purposes. And then the ICIJ opened it up to their uh, network, which was the over 100 uh, journalists who worked on it. So if, if you just think about it, that how much data was it there that required 107 journalists from 70 different countries to work on for over a year? Probably the answer would be a lot of data, okay? Enough big, so one or two or three or 10 people could not process. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you how big this data was. The data for the Panama Papers was 2.6 terabytes, which means 2.6 of those hard drives that we have in our homes. And I think a lot of us now have two terabyte hard drives. So probably one hard drive and, I don't know, a little bit of your own hard disk on your computer. What does it mean? So when I talk to a lot of people or journalists who are trying to um, kind of work with data or train themselves to work with the data. They say, oh, but it's really hard to learn about big data because these days you just need to be able to, to kind of process the big data. And my answer to them is no, not really, okay? And why do I say that? My background is software engineering and computer science. Uh, and when we talk in terms of technicalities of big data, Big data is a type of data that doesn't, one, it doesn't fit on one or two or three personal computers, and two, it cannot be processed by the computing power of one or two or three computers. Okay, 
And this 2.6 terabyte of data, technically speaking, it is possible to store it on one computer. Therefore, the biggest data journalism project ever existed in the history of journalism is not big data. Okay? So no, if you want to be a data journalist or if you want to be a civic hack person, you don't really need to be able to process big data. I'm going to give you some more data of some of the largest hacks in the world, which were mostly processed by the ICIJ. The one after the Panama paper, which happened a year after the Panama papers, was the Paradise paper, which was 1.4 terabytes. And everything else is by far smaller. In fact, most of them you can simply put on a USB stick and just put it in your pocket and walk around with all the data in your pocket. Definitely not big data. Okay. So, do we need to work with big data? If you do, great. If you're a data scientist and you're working on Twitter and you want to process streaming tweets to categorize um, while they're coming in, yes. But if you're anything else, if you are a data journalist, not necessarily. Good if you can, it might come handy once in a year or twice in a year, but you don't have to use it, okay? So my background is kind of, um, software engineering, so most people uh, would assume that I would be an advocate for complex uh, ways of processing data. But in fact, it is contrary, because I know that most of um, the data journals and projects, and pretty much all of them, have come out of small data and not the big data. So, in contrary, I am a huge favor of low-tech data journalism or low-tech data-driven investigations, even if you are not a journalist. And my strong belief is that if every single journalist in every corner of every single newsroom in every city and every country can take advantage of the small data, then we are going to have a revolution in our newsrooms and we are going to have a revolution in the way news is told and investigated and hopefully we are not going to have so much fake news either because it's so much easier for us to kind of pinpoint the fact in the data or at least go and look into the data that the journalist is talking about. Okay, all good. I'm sure you're all convinced that the small data is really good, okay? So where to find this small data? Uh, I'm guessing some of you will have an idea of where to find some of it. So official and national statistics offices, each country has its own, at least in Europe, official statistics office. Uh, in addition to that, a lot of government departments have their own data portals that they make their own data available to the public, to the citizens. You can get data from them. One of the things that journalists sometimes fail to do, and they should do more because it's in their own benefit, is to contact the data provider. So if you read a report that says oh, um, the, the fatal accidents record, um, or I don't know, the fatal accident rate has gone up by 20% in the past quarter, but there's no data to back it up, try to contact them. They might actually give you the data. I've seen even a lot of private companies to give their data away because they are hoping for this big acknowledgement in the newspaper, which is big advertisement for you. So do that. It's a good chance you're going to get it. But if not, obviously, if it is a public organization, you can fire an FOI request, in Europe at least. 
Then other kind of alternatives are data scraping, crowdsourcing, and collecting your own data. And at the last resort, maybe you want to do programming or use the APIs. Okay, here I've put a map that you can use kind of, if you're interested, it's quite faint here, but it's opendatainception.io that kind of maps all or a lot of open data portals around the world. So if you're interested to find some open data portals in some country, uh, you can use this map. All right, now what? We got the data. What can we do with it now, right? My answer would be get your hands dirty. Just start doing something even if you think it's not that impressive, okay? How? There are loads of tools. I am a teacher, so I'm used to telling people how. There are loads of tools that will help you along the way, and a lot of these tools are free. Um, so here's a table. You can take a photo if you want, but I'm going to also put a link to a table uh, that I share with my students normally that does four category, and also there's links to a lot of these tools or all of these tools. Um, I should remember to tweet it after my talk. Okay. If you got the data and if you got the tools, you don't know how to start, I'd say get inspired, look into the good data journals and projects or investigative projects. A good place to start is the data journalism awards that kind of um, represents the best data journalism in the world every year. Don't get too scared when you look at these. These are very complex stories. So don't kind of get scared by the technologies behind them, but just get ideas of the data they've used, the type of analysis, and the type of output. And you can recreate a lot of them by the tools. It's going to look a little different, but still it's going to convey the story. And you got inspired. You might want to learn a little bit more. Okay. A good resource for you to start is datajournalism.com. They have loads of online uh, courses, and they're done really, really, they're very good quality courses that you can look into. For this conference, I've also made the syllabus to my data journalism course available. It's normally closed, and I'm going to keep it open until the next semester starts, which is in around 10 days. So if you want to look into it, there's loads of resources. Um, that's the URL. I'm going to, again, try to remember to tweet it after my talk. And hopefully, after that, do some data journalism or civic activism using data, and hopefully, keep the public informed and help towards more transparent, more accountable, and in general, better societies and governments. Thank you very much.